in this season where we kind of have to reckon with these feelings that we're having, it's important to move slowly, but that can be a bit painful. Um, but then I think once you get on the other side of that wave, right, and once you are able to take some time to be present to the things you're feeling and allow them to be your companions, it requires a good bit of creativity after that then to know how to move forward. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, and it's a pretty wild time to be alive. So I'm recording this podcast on Thursday, March 19th. And on Monday was when Santa Clara County joined five other Bay Area counties to issue a shelter in place mandate, meaning you can only leave your house for uh, essential activities and to get some fresh air. And it's a big change. Santa Clara announced they'll be doing classes all online through the end of the academic year, which means through the end of my college career, and they encourage people not to return to campus. I know many of my friends live off campus, and so they'll be around in the spring, but a lot of others with university-owned housing uh, won't be around. So that's it's really sad, and it's a lot to process and take in right now. So precisely in this time, I wanted to have a conversation with Carly Lynch and Victor Lemus, who both work in campus ministry and have a lot of wisdom to offer. You'll understand why I was so excited to talk to them at the beginning of this conversation. So Carly Lynch is the Director of Religious Diversity in Campus Ministry at Santa Clara. She has a bachelor's from Azusa Pacific and a master's in theological studies from Boston University. And she's an expert on mindfulness, religious pluralism, and embracing slowness, which you'll hear all about in this episode. Victor Lemus is the director of retreats for campus ministry. He studied at Loyola Marymount University and Santa Clara's pastoral ministry program. Victor's from Guatemala originally and worked at Greg Boyle's Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles before coming to Santa Clara. Just one more real quick update on the podcast. Although Santa Clara won't be having in-person classes up, I think podcasts are still a great medium and maybe even more so now that we're all stuck at home. If you have any ideas of guests to talk to, messages you want shared, or really just thoughts on how to best use this podcast to serve the Santa Clara community in this time, please reach out to me. You can go to VoicesOfSantaClara.com and my contact information is there. Thanks. To start out, this is just uh, a day after we've kind of learned some of the, the consequences of what will happen in terms of staying at home throughout spring quarter um, and yeah a lot of a lot of new messages and government orders and Santa Clara messages have come in over the last uh, week or two and obviously there's a lot of health consequences and important effects to think about there and precautions to take but I also think and one of the reasons I want to have this conversation is it's a very uh, it's a very spiritual and emotional change as well that's that's happening. Um, and yeah, a lot of students feel, you know, a sense of uh, loss or fear or sadness or any of those, those things. And so maybe just to, to start out, like what message would you uh, send to students who now know that they're um, yeah not going to be having any in-person classes in spring and potentially spending a lot of time at home? I think it's been so interesting. Like you're saying, like things have been changing almost daily. And I think for the past couple days, or really what's just been kind of like a week now, every day has felt like it's had a new plan. Like, okay, so, you know, we just got to get through these next few weeks, and then we'll be back, and then it'll be fine. And 
And so, yeah, like you were saying, now we're kind of in this new phase where things are probably going to keep changing, but we know, you know, spring quarter is going to be online, things like that. And so I think one of the first things that would be important to know now is to um, to allow yourself to settle into a space, you know, of um, it's no longer trying to kind of like grasp for what was and trying to recreate that in some way. Um, but that we're in a new season now and it um, it's going to require a good bit of kind of creativity and readjusting um, to just enter into that space. And um, I think what I'd want to be able to tell people through that is um, to be patient, to give yourself time to do that, um, that it's going to require some grieving, some like reckoning with the fact that you've lost some things. Um, but also it'll take time to discover new things and discover, um, what this new season will look like. So, um, just that patience to have with yourself and to have, um, with this process and to be able to be okay with, um, those kind of more painful and grieving feelings that you might have to have in this time in order to do that transition. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the, the first thing I would probably say is to the, the old cliche of remembering to breathe. Uh, it's always funny just how quickly we can forget that, and especially when we're as anxious and stressed out and inundated with as many things as we are at the moment. So just remembering to breathe would be the first thing. The second thing along the lines of what Carly just mentioned is I would really be vouching for space and not so much the social distancing word that's being tossed out right now. That's kind of a given right now, but more so for individuals to also be really intentional about creating space for themselves, especially as you're, you know, right now we're texting and calling and TV and social media. And it's kind of the main and only thing that we're talking about, which is justifiable. But at the same time, I really do think in order to, to settle in, as Carly is saying, we really do need to be intentional about creating some space for ourselves, uh, not just with family and friends and communities, but just within ourselves to actually get in touch with and be able to even listen to what's happening in us as a result of, of all these practical changes. I've heard you both talk about this idea of of slowness and uh, like a pace of, of life, right? And I think for a lot of people as kind of the quarter suddenly ends and, you know, at least a couple weeks of of break and then potentially a longer term, slower pace is ahead of us. There's a little bit of almost like fear of that slowness. Right. And it's easier to uh, to always be busy. Right. I know I often like gravitate towards just having a completely full schedule. And that's just kind of the default way of life. Right. To kind of maximize all the time. So what, what, what do you have to say about this idea of like slowness and rest and how maybe it's more important now than ever? Yeah, I, I think there's two kind of things that come to mind for me. One is that I think emotions are high right now. I think there's a lot of things that people are feeling, whether it's anxiety about the state of the world or just your own sadness or grief or concern or frustration, things like that. And um, 
I think a fast pace gives us permission to ignore a lot of those things, right? Um, even just psychologically, that's how our body works, of that when you keep your sympathetic nervous system going, that like energy fight or flight system going, it spends less time processing emotion because that's um, not a survival necessity. All these other things are part of that um, survival get drawn to the front. Um, but in this season where we kind of have to reckon with these feelings that we're having, it's important to move slowly, but that can be a bit painful. Um, I remember one time listening to an interview with Louis C.K., the comedian, who's kind of a bit of a disgraced name now, but um, I still have some level of care for him because he he always has recognized himself as a fairly messed up person who has a lot of issues, but he's done a lot of work to figure out how to move through that. Um But I remember in this interview, he was saying, yeah, sometimes I'll be sitting in my car, you know, and I'm just going through all these painful feelings. And it's like this big wave that's building up and building up. And, you know, you're you're overwhelmed or exhausted or anxious. And he goes, the temptation is to pull out my phone and just like scroll through Instagram or something and distract myself. But what he was saying is he started to learn like just let it build, let it build, let it build, let it keep coming, be present to it. And then eventually it washes over you and you realize like, I survived. (laughs) You know, I'm okay. And I lived through that and I will live through it again. And there's some kind of beauty to that, but it takes, it requires having that time and that space for yourself to be able to reckon with those emotions. But then I think once you got on the other side of that wave, right? And once you are able to take some time to be present to the things you're feeling and allow them to be your companions. It requires a good bit of creativity after that, then to know how to move forward and to know how you're going to go. And yeah, I think Gavin, we even talked about this in one of our last meetings where, you know, in older times before we had cell phones, before we had all this technology, people would have to like, you know, stand in line at the grocery store or something and they would just have to think through their day. They didn't have someone they could text or a message to pull out or something like that. They just had to think like, oh my goodness, I was really rude to my mom earlier. Like I should apologize to her later or wow, what am I going to do with all of those like extra scraps of fabric that I have? Should I sew a new blanket? Should I do this? Like people just had to kind of problem solve their lives. And I think that is um, an exercise in creativity, right? Like I think we learn how to think creatively and navigate our lives in new ways. Um, Whereas when we just kind of keep ourselves busy with these like cultural notions of success, or we keep ourselves busy with these platforms of social media or different internet things like that, um, our channels for what the ways that we view life and view problem solving become very narrow. Um, And I think this time kind of invites us into a season where we're able to slow down and actually go into our own internal reserves And that's, I think we all have an inherent creativity that will come out of that. And I think I'm hopeful that in this season, we're going to start being surprised by the wisdom and ingenuity and creativity that people have kind of inside them that they didn't realize for navigating these times. Yeah. Yeah, I would say times like these really... Well, they do a number on us because they really do reveal our, our lack of control over reality and our lack of control over circumstances. And the realization of our lack of control can either be very fear-inducing or it can actually, uh, I think, provide a small measure of, of freedom that kindles 
from from the recognition of that. Um, and I really, I mean, I think about there's a Franciscan Richard Rohr who I I am a big fan of, and part of what he he shares is that really the the things that really move us into new stages of life oftentimes are the things, the very things that we ourselves wouldn't have consciously chosen for ourselves um, that are really out of our control. And I would certainly deem this as an experience of that um, because there's so much unknown. We don't know how long this is going to go for. We don't know what it's going to entail beyond what we already have. Uh, But I mean, I think about in, in the years that I've been at the university and connecting with seniors, for example, I've connected with a lot of seniors over the years who finished their their time at Santa Clara not having any tangible thing to do after. So maybe they didn't get a job or they didn't get a volunteer opportunity and they end up at home, uh, which for many is the last place they want to be in. And there they are sitting, going through an existential crisis about their identity and who they are because there's not much to do. Uh, now I think it's kind of that, but times a lot more. And I wouldn't just say that it's a matter of whether or not we have stuff to do or even the capacity to do it or not do. I don't think we have to choose sides. You're either going to do something or you're not going to do something. I, I do think um, that we are invited in a certain way with this kind of reality to be uh, to have our doing be a lot more focused and a lot more intentional than perhaps we otherwise would take for granted. A lot of our doing on a day-to-day basis uh, is not that intentional. Uh, it, it can either be for distraction sake or for having calendar full sake or for feeling productive sake. Um, and there's not much intentionality to that. And now where you get a lot stripped away and a lot of the capacity to even do things stripped away, um, again, that could either be fear inducing or it can actually be an invitation towards another kind of level of freedom where our doing can be a lot more focused and a lot more intentional in terms of an individual being very intentional, for example, of how much TV they're going to look at, how much news they're going to take in every day, uh, exercise, sleeping, whether or not they're going to sleep in until noon or create a certain schedule that maybe going to be a little more nourishing, healthy for them. Uh, meditation, silence, uh, family time, FaceTime, calling friends, all these different decisions that are going to, I would say, be a real invitation to be intentional and focused, which again goes against either choosing not to do or to do, but it, it invites towards uh, just a deeper intentionality that I think will be um, very healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think so. You know, Carly, you mentioned the time on your phone or the news, and then also in contrast with like creativity and Victor, you kind of mentioned the fear and freedom. So just in myself, I've noticed the last couple of days I've spent like a ton of time on my phone, right? Like three hours or something, and then even probably more time on um, news sites on the computer, right? And do you guys have any? tips for how to both be informed and recognize that this is something big that's happening and I don't feel like avoiding it is the right uh, course of action to take, but then also being intentional, perhaps being disciplined, and even, like you said, Carly, being creative with ways that we spend our time and projects we choose to do and people we choose to talk to. Like, What are some 
what are some ways we can practice that intentionality and creativity and like balance when the draw of of news and phones are are kind of always beckoning kind of what immediately comes to mind is i think a lot of us feel a bit out of control in this situation right now right like there's not much like we're tired of hearing like just wash your hands we're like that's not gonna i want to do more i want to be able to stop this and protect people i love and get this over with as fast as possible um but i think we are not well trained to know what to do when we feel out of control. We kind of, the American dream is that you can always control your circumstances and that if you just have enough capital or enough money, you can have control. And so I think the way that we're trying, a lot of us are trying to navigate that right now is if I can just keep consuming news, at least I'm a part of this, you know, at least um, if I can't control the situation, at least I can like have as much knowledge as possible and I can be engaged in it. And I think, Um, it's good when you can recognize that movement of recognize like, okay, I'm trying to control something that's a bit out of my control. Um, and taking time to just recognize, okay, this is what I can do. I can like stay up to date with what the CDC is saying. I can stay up to date with like my local and national policies that come out each day. And I can just make sure that I'm doing all the things I can do to be healthy and safe. And like, that's it. Like, that's what I have control over. Um, And then that can free you from having to really keep engaged with like, well, is this a hoax or not? And am I doing this right? And, you know, those types of things. But yeah, but I think then on the other hand, a lot of us, especially people maybe who have been drawn to Santa Clara because of its Jesuit values or because of this kind of service orientation, a lot of us are a bit um, fearful of what, what will I do in this time? Like how... How can I best be of service? How can I be engaged? How can I be caring for people? How can I be like using social media for good? How can I have an outreach? And I think we're taking that productivity that used to go into our classes and our other assignments. And we're just trying to turn it into this, like a bit of a frenzy right now of like, well, I have to be doing all these things now to be the best, like isolation person ever. And, um, it's still becoming a bit of a performance or a bit of like, I don't want to waste this time or I want to be able to like use it well. And all this kind of like productivity language where I think this time really is an invitation, like Victor said, to make space and to allow yourself to like get bored at least once or twice a day, like truly get mind numbingly bored and be like, what am I going to do like do I color do I like coloring I don't know I haven't done that in years or like I I guess I'm gonna go on a walk and like collect leaves I remember doing that when I was a kid or you know so I, I think um if we can get past these notions of control and productivity I think we're going to be able to really settle into a space of finding out what's next or what else what else am I beyond just someone who's productive and beyond someone who's in control Am I also someone who's really caring? Am I also someone who um, has values? You know, things like that. So I get. I think we're just going to be able to uncover some of those depths more. Yeah, Gavin, you've probably have heard me talk uh, and share something a, a good friend of mine shared years ago now about not too deep or you'll drown. And I've always said that's a very apt metaphor for me because I can't swim. So I have to be very mindful about how deep... I'm going into the pool. Otherwise, that'll be some serious consequences. But I think the same applies during this time where we are inundated with so much, which is kind of ironic because there isn't too much to do. And yet we're inundated with so much, which seems just kind of paradoxical. Uh, But really, I, I do think it 
to my first point about really the necessity to create space. I know that can be a very challenging, difficult thing. I know that for, for many, if not most, it can be very confusing. What does that tangibly mean? Does that mean that I sit in silence for five minutes and just wait for something to happen? That, those are very real questions. And what I would say to that is the necessity to carve out some bit of time for solitude where it's just you to try to see what's happening in you. Maybe as a senior, you're really sad, actually, about your time ending just like that. Uh, maybe for if you're a faculty member, you're really anxious about your ability, your technological ability and being able to provide uh, a class or an exam without really having a good sense of how to work Zoom or how to do these different things. Uh, those kinds of things that, though it is very much helpful, and I, I'm certainly not vouching against it, I think it's very helpful to connect with friends, to have your community there, your family, but to a certain extent, because otherwise we're just um, processing, 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 processing without actually listening to to, to what's, what's happening within us. And I do think that the more room we give ourselves to, to listen to what's happening inside of us, the more we actually can actually listen to what's out, happening outside of us. Um, but otherwise, it, it can just be really quite overwhelming. And then we're not exactly sure how we feel. We just know that it's eerie. That's kind of the word I've been hearing a lot. It's eerie, it's weird, it's strange. And, and we can't really go beyond that because we haven't really spent any time with ourselves in a lot of ways. Many people have an urge to be connected now more than ever. And that looks like online, right? So like Carly, you were kind of talking about people feeling like, oh, I need to be the, you know, the best in this time or post the best things or reach out to the most people. So yeah, like how can we find a balance between um, on one hand, like having compassion for other people and not just turning fully inward and being self-centered um, and and alone all the time but also how can we stop ourselves from like using the same lens of just productivity and popularity even and just putting that all in an online space so kind of balancing like inward and and outward especially considering that this like compassion is such a important jesuit ideal right yeah, it, it would be so easy to think that there are just like simple boundaries you could put, right? Like, we'll spend no more than two hours per day on your phone, whatever. But we all are going to have different capacities and different strengths and skill sets. And for some people, this is going to be a time to be thriving on social media and really engaging in that well. For other people, it is a time to retreat and to rest. But I think one of the things I would encourage is that um, mindfulness is more than just sitting on a chair for 30 minutes and thinking about your breath, I think mindfulness is something that's going to really be important in this season of try it out. Try a full day where you're FaceTiming every person you can FaceTime and you're on social media constantly and you're screenshotting all your favorite inspirational quotes. Like try it and and then check in with yourself throughout the day and at the end of the day. And how do you feel? Do you feel really energized? Was that really important? And you feel super connected and engaged and, you're, and it's sustaining you? Or do you feel kind of exhausted? And do you feel um, 
overwhelmed and you feel like you're left with a big to-do list for tomorrow. Like, so I think, I think this notion of mindfulness is going to be really important for us being aware of how we need to navigate this season and different days will call for different things. But I think being aware of that is what's going to be really important. Um, Cause I think compassion, I think a lot of us are striving to be compassionate in this time, but um that notion of compassion is really to suffer with, right? Compassion, to suffer alongside others. Um, and that's a bit daunting. And especially if you're not, um, you know, kind of that cliche notion of you have to care for yourself before you can care for others. If you're not in touch with how this transition and how this kind of new season is affecting you and your needs in it, it's going to be really hard to also engage with others and suffer alongside others. Um And really that means to kind of just like hold the pain of others and to be able to enter into it and to be able to hear it and listen to it well. Um, And then maybe even respond, though response will likely look different in these times. So, um, yeah, I think that notion of mindfulness of of our needs and of how we're living these days is going to be pretty crucial for us to start creating structures and rhythms for ourselves. Yeah. Um, part of what I hear from what Carly's sharing is, at least in Ignatian terminology, it, it's consolation and desolation of of being mindful to recognize uh, both Ignatians would maybe put it as the movements within ourselves, uh, but also the the intention behind. So again, maybe another way to put it is uh, right now we have a, a really quite pertinent experience of waiting but maybe waiting not just as a passive thing, waiting as a as a very focused and intentional doing. And so that when you're reaching out to individuals, it can be good to just check in with yourself if you're doing so out of a matter of just mere distraction. And it's not to say that you're you're doing this horrible thing, but if you do that enough, if you're just reaching out to X, Y, and Z person with the intention to just distract yourself, it is going to wear on you. And so being able to check in with yourself about some of your intentions as to why you're doing this or why you're doing that, not to psychoanalyze yourself, but just these quick check-ins that you can do either in the moment or at the end of the day or midday to be able to kind of review uh, part of the day to recognize what were my intentions in doing this or that and recognizing some of those movements that were happening within us. And again, these aren't like quick fixes. They're, they're, uh, they actually take desire and discipline to, to want to uh, to cultivate some of these things that are going to, yeah, certainly take care of ourselves, but intrinsically also take care of others as a process and as a means of doing that. Yeah. I want to briefly touch on just a few little pieces from your, your stories of kind of how you've both decided uh, that you know, campus ministry and these these themes and patterns we've talked about have become important to you. So, yeah, maybe like Carly, how did you come to realize that that slowness and mindfulness were such important themes to you? Like, were there any experiences that kind of led you to uh, where you are now in that regard? To not spend four hours going through my whole kind of journey of faith and life, but um, kind of the abridged version is... The Christianity I was raised in was very much interested in kind of having these quick and simple answers to the problem of suffering. 
And um, when I was young, that worked really well. But as I got older and kind of discovered the complex realities of life and of systemic injustice and of kind of the types of suffering that abide, kind of like trauma and PTSD, um, these quick answers didn't quite work anymore. And they were, the quick fixes didn't hold. Um, and so I became pretty interested in studying suffering, studying trauma, studying these concepts, and um, studying how other traditions and other religious traditions, other spiritual practices can actually engage in pain, engage in suffering, and not just brush them off, um, not just say, everything's going to be fine, or just pray a little bit more and you'll feel better, things like that. Um, and so I became quite influenced by a lot of traditions um, outside of the one I had been raised in that had a lot more to say about um, patience, right? And um, patience is long suffering. That's like the, you know, in the Christian scriptures or in the traditional kind of Latin breakdown of the word, it means to suffer for a long time. Um, but there can be kind of beauty found in that is what I was discovering, Um I'm especially influenced by this Buddhist concept called Tonglen, T-O-N-G-L-E-N. Um, and it's this uh, practice that they would call breathing through the pain. So similar to how we might think of like that old style of women doing natural childbirth. And it's like, <sighs> like breathe through the pain, breathe through the pain or an athlete or something. Um, but that's an emotional concept of that. Like Victor kind of said at the beginning, like, don't forget to breathe. That We have to be able to be slow enough to know um, how to live through pain that can be really long and hard and um, things like that. And so I think in my own life, as I became really aware of all these kind of systemic injustices and suffering and pain, I was either going to burn out and become bitter and exhausted and have nothing to give to this world. And I constantly, when I was in graduate school, I fantasized about just like moving to Denmark and working on a lavender farm. Like I just wanted to escape all of it because it was overwhelming. Um, or if I was going to stay in the game, if I was going to do the marathon of justice work and of compassionate work and care, I was going to have to learn how to move slow and to not just constantly live in that sense of urgency and fear and frustration and anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, I think practices like mindfulness and meditation um, and all types of slowness, you know, I'm a gardener and I knit and I um, make my own kombucha. Like I do things that are slow and inefficient. <laughs> um, and in those things, I learned to find beauty in, in mundane things and beauty in journeying alongside people who are suffering and hurting and not just the frustration with that pain and with the nonlinear um, movements of pain and suffering and that when things don't heal right away, that I've learned a patience with those things and I've learned how to survive through those things. So I think that's a bit of what that journey has looked like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then, uh, Victor, I know you're originally from Guatemala and then had the kind of formative experiences at, uh, homeboy industries as well, which all, all good, uh, Jesuit students have heard of. Right. So, um, but yeah, kind of how did, how did you end up at, at Santa Clara wanting to, to focus on these things that you are at this stage of life now? Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, that's probably a longer story, but I will just share two things. Uh, culturally, uh, I'm, I am from Guatemala, and 
Um, I would consider it almost the uh, the Hawaii of Central America. Most things are done pretty slowly, so I, I kind of have a certain HTML coding for a, maybe a certain slower pace. But one of the things that I appreciate culturally, and it's not certainly not exclusive to Guatemala, definitely other Latin American countries as well, is the, the saying, aquí no más, just right here. And so very often in, in phone conversations, when you call somebody up and you ask them, hey, how's it going or how are you doing or what are you doing? Um, the response quite often can be, aquí no más, which is it, just right here. Uh, and that, that's just to give a little bit of a glimpse of some of the culture that I grew up in, that that was very much uh, an acceptable thing to say. And uh, so that's that's a little glimpse into that. But yeah, certainly a different, at least work slash somewhat professional experiences that molded a lot of of these things for me. But Homeboy, I would say Homeboy Industries would certainly rank up there. Um, one thing I would share about my experience there is I, I went to work there when I was 20 years old. I was a, just almost 21. I was about a year removed from, from having graduated college and uh, a couple of years removed. In any case, I, uh, I just remember wanting to quit pretty much every day for like the first seven or eight months of working there. And the reason I wanted to quit was the level of suffering, the the volume of it, the intensity of it was so high and so rapid that I came very, very uh, intimately face to face with my own helplessness. When you have people sharing very, very painful, difficult traumas and stories and realities, and you have that coming at you um, very frequently. Um, you really come face to face with your helplessness. No amount of your your doing will bring about that which will really help them in a lot of ways. And I had to come face to face. It was a bit of a ministry boot camp for me, um, coming face to face with that level of helplessness within myself. But that was probably one of the greatest gifts I got because it really made me dig deeper beyond my own capacities and my own abilities to to tangibly support individuals and really made me kind of look inward, really made me touch upon something more expansive within my own sense of faith and understanding of, of God and God's role in all this. And so I, I really think back to that time as quite pivotal um, because it um, it tore me down in a lot of ways, but it also really helped me to touch in, tap into something just bigger than myself when it comes to to some of the things that I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it seems like from what both of you are sharing that kind of in the, in the midst of these these themes of of suffering or uh, waiting or disillusionment or uh, pain or disconnection or any of it, uh, the the space that can be created there um, can hurt and is very real, but also can can make space for for new things, right? And I think that's that's true both on an individual level, but then probably a, a systematic level as as well, right? Of like certain certain things that we might have done, um, you know, like so so naturally, or you know, looking at a a fashion show or different, I don't know, some sports game or so many things that are just like a part of normal 
life or, or just consumption in general, right? It's like maybe that gets called into question it at this time. And um, yeah, like there's no need to put a, a positive spin on everything right away, but there is, you know, problems or opportunities as well. So as, as we wrap up here, are there any either um, poems or quotes that you'd like to share or um, yeah, authors that come to mind in this time that you'd recommend? I, I will share. I mean, I'm not going to say it out loud. I'll just say the title and the person since I don't know it by heart. But it's a uh, one that I especially appreciate at this time. It's a When in the Soul of the Serene Disciple. And it is by uh, Thomas Merton. I, I, what I especially appreciate about that poem, which I'll let folks look up, is uh, there's a real very profound invitation to, to a level of freedom that, again, go, just goes beyond ourselves. Um, so I really appreciate, I always really sense a very big invitation within that poem. Yeah, I think um, just turning to poetry in general is really beautiful right now. I think the many poets know what it's like to live through precarious times or to be in touch with the precarious. Um, but also... I am just turning to a lot of authors that I love right now. One person I was reading this morning is a woman named Miriam Greenspan, and she has a book called Healing Through Dark Emotions. So she kind of looks at like what wisdom there is to be learned through grief and fear. Um, and I pulled out one of the quotes from her section where she's talking about fear. Um, that's actually kind of cool for these times, so I'll read it out loud now. She says... Um, if fear is only telling you to save your own skin, there's not much hope for us. But the fact is that in conscious fear, there's a potentially revolutionary power of compassion and connection that can be mobilized in mass. This is the power of fear. Our collective fear, which is intelligent, is telling us now, find new ways to keep this global village safe find new forms of intentional cooperation that will root out evil in ways that don't create more victims and more evil. Leap out of the confines of national egos. Learn the ways of peace. Find a new ceremony of safety so that not just you and I, but all of us can live together without fear. Um, so that's one that kind of I've really turned to a lot today um and we'll probably return to um another thing i've been suggesting to people is to check out the instagram page the nap ministry um it's a really cool concept that i've been interested in a long for a long time but now um there's kind of a lot to learn from that wisdom of what does it mean to really rest and um, they're very much kind of like anti-capitalist, which I'm not trying to push any kind of political or economic agenda on anyone, but really they're kind of resisting that notion of you're worth more than your productivity and you're worth more than um, the way that you can grind. So um, who are you when when you need to slow down and how can you still have grace and compassion for yourself when you need to rest? So um, those are kind of some little suggestions that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any... Uh... Any final words or things we didn't cover or final thoughts for people at home? <laughs> I think uh, just things like this are so important. Just continuing to stay in conversation with people and 
um, learn and listen. And it, it might be a fun thing for people to start asking others and really listening when they ask this question of what are you doing to, to stay well in this time? Or what are some new things you're discovering about yourself? Like to become good question askers in this time. It's really important. So I thank you for doing that work with us today. Yeah. And I would just say, I think after having this conversation, just a reminder that this time I don't think is so much a matter of whether or not you're going to do stuff or try your best to figure out what being means. Uh, I don't think you have to choose a side. It's just perhaps more, uh, a little more of an invitation to be slightly uh, more intentional around what you're deciding to, to do or not do during this time. The intentionality I think will go a really long way during during this stretch. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. Thanks, Gavin. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. And as always, uh, we in Campus Ministry are here to chat with anyone and talk through stuff. So we're not going anywhere. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify so that you don't miss an episode. Check out the website at VoicesOfSantaClara.com for some shortened transcripts. And you can like the Facebook page and follow on Twitter. I'll see you next time.